Section ten of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew. Volume one. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk. Part ten. Of the providence and improvidence of the costermongers. The costermongers, like all wandering tribes, have generally no foresight. Only an exceptional few are provident, and these are mostly the more intelligent of the class, though some of the very ignorant do occasionally save. The providence of the more intelligent costermonger enables him in some few cases to become a settled man, as I have before pointed out. He perhaps gets to be the proprietor of a coal-shed, with a greengrocery and potato business attached to it, and with the usual trade in oysters and ginger-beer. He may, too, sometimes have a sum of money in the savings-bank, or he may invest it in the purchase of a lease of the premises he occupies, or expend it in furnishing the rooms of his house to let them out to single-men lodgers, or he may become a usurer and lend out his money to his less provident brethren at one thousand and forty pounds per cent per annum or he may purchase largely at the markets and engage youths to sell his surplus stock at half profits the provident costermonger who has thus got on in the world is rarely speculative he can hardly be induced to become a member of a building or freehold land society for instance he has been accustomed to an almost immediate return for his outlays, and distrusts any remote or contingent profit. A regular costermonger, or any who has been a regular costermonger in whatever trade he may be afterwards engaged, generally dies intestate, let his property be what it may, but there is seldom any dispute as to the disposition of his effects. The widow takes possession of them as a matter of course. If there be grown-up children, they may be estranged from home, and not trouble their heads about the matter, or, if not estranged, an amicable arrangement is usually come to. The costermonger's dread of all courts of law, or of anything connected with the law, is only second to their hatred of the police. The more ignorant costermonger, on the other hand, if he be of a saving turn, and have no great passion for strong drink or gaming, is often afraid to resort to the simple modes of investment which I have mentioned. He will rather keep money in his pocket, for though it does not fructify there, at least it is safe. But this is only when provided with a donkey or pony what suits. When not so provided, he will suit himself forthwith. If, however, he have saved a little money, and have a craving after gambling or amusements, he is sure, at last, to squander it that way. Such a man, without any craving for drink or gaming, will often continue to pay usuriously for the hire of his barrow, not suspecting that he is purchasing it over and over and over again in his weekly payments. To suggest to him that he might place his money in a bank, is to satisfy him that he would be had in some way or other, as he believes all banks and public institutions to be connected with government and the taxes and the police. Were anyone to advise a man of this class, and it must be remembered that I am speaking of the ignorant costers, 
to invest a spare fifty pounds supposing he possessed it in the three percents it would but provoke a snappish remark that he knew nothing about them and would have nothing to do with them for he would be satisfied that there was some cheatery at the bottom if he could be made to understand what is meant by three pounds per centum per annum he would be sure to be indignant at the robbery of giving only seven and a half pence for the use of one pound for a whole year i may state in conclusion that a costermonger of the class i have been describing mostly objects to give change for a five pound note he will sooner give credit when he knows the party than change even if he have it if however he feels compelled rather than offend a regular customer to take the note he will not rest until he has obtained sovereigns for it at a neighbouring innkeeper's or from some tradesman to whom he is known sovereigns said one man and not a very ignorant man to me is something to lay hold on a note ain't moreover should one of the more ignorant having tastes for the beer-shop and so on meet with a great haul or save five pounds by some continuous industry note which he will most likely set down as luck end note he will spend it idly or recklessly in dissipation and amusements regardless of the coming winter whatever he may have suffered during the past nor though they know from the bitterest experience that their earnings in the winter are not half those of the rest of the year and that they are incapacitated from pursuing their trade in bad weather do they endeavour to make the extra gains of their best time mitigate the want of the worst of the costermongers in bad weather and during the cholera three wet days i was told by a clergyman who is now engaged in selling stenographic cards in the streets will bring the greater part of thirty thousand street people to the brink of starvation this statement terrible as it is is not exaggerated the average number of wet days every year in london is according to the records of the royal society one hundred and sixty one that is to say rain falls in the metropolis more than three days in each week and very nearly every other day throughout the year how precarious a means of living then must street selling be when a costermonger cannot pursue his outdoor labour he leaves it to the women and children to work the public houses while he spends his time in the beer shop here he gambles away his stock money oft enough if the cards or the luck runs again him or else he has to dip into his stock money to support himself and his family he must then borrow fresh capital at any rate of interest to begin again and he begins on a small scale if it be in the cheap and busy seasons he may buy a pad of soles for two shillings and sixpence and clear five shillings on them and that sets him a-going again and then he gets his silk handkerchief out of pawn and goes as usual to market the sufferings of the costermongers during the prevalence of the cholera in eighteen forty nine were intense their customers generally relinquished the consumption of potatoes greens fruit and fish 
indeed of almost every article on the consumption of which the costermongers depend for his daily bread many were driven to apply to the parish many had relief and many hadn't i was told two young men within the knowledge of one of my informants became professional thieves after enduring much destitution it does not appear that the costermongers manifested any personal dread of the visitation of the cholera or thought that their lives were imperiled we weren't a bit afraid said one of them and perhaps that was the reason so few costers died of the cholera i knew them all in lambeth i think and i know only one die of it and he drank hard poor waxy he was a good fellow enough and was well known in the cut but it was a terrible time for us sir it seems to me now like a shocking dream fish i couldn't sell a bit of the people had a perfect dread of it all but the poor irish and there was no making a crust out of them they had no dread of fish however indeed they reckon it a religious sort of living living on fish but they will have it dirt cheap we were in terrible distress all that time of the costermongers raffles in their relief of the sick if relief it is to be called the costermongers resort to an exciting means something is raffled and the proceeds given to the sufferer this mode is common to other working classes it partakes of the excitement of gambling and is encouraged by the landlords of the houses to which the people resort the landlord displays the terms of the raffle in his bar a few days before the occurrence which is always in the evening the raffle is not confined to the sick but when any one of the class is in distress that is to say without stock money and unable to borrow it a raffle for some article of his is called at a public house in the neighbourhood cards are printed and distributed among his mates the article let it be whatever it may perhaps a handkerchief is put up at sixpence a member and from twenty to forty members are got according as the man is liked by his mates or as he has assisted others similarly situated the paper of every raffle is kept by the party calling it and before he puts his name down to a raffle for another party he refers to the list of subscribers to his raffle in order to see if the person ever assisted him raffles are very critical things the pint pots fly about wonderful sometimes to use the words of one of my informants the party calling the raffle is expected to take the chair if he can write down the subscribers names one who had been chairman at one of these meetings assured me that on a particular occasion having called a general dealer to order the party very nearly split his head open with a quart measure if the hucksters know that the person calling the raffle is down and that it is necessity that has made him call it they will not allow the property put up to be thrown for if you was to go to the raffle to-night sir said one of them to me many months ago before i became known to the class they'd say to one another directly you come in who's this here swell what's he want and they'd think you were a cad or else a spy come from the police but they'd treat you civilly i'm sure some very likely would fancy you were a fust kind of a gentleman come there for a lark but you need have no fear though the pint pots does fly about sometimes of the markets and trade rights of the costermongers and of the laws affecting them 
the next point of consideration is what are the legal regulations under which the several descriptions of hawkers and peddlers are allowed to pursue their occupations the laws concerning hawkers and peddlers note fifty george the third chapter forty one and six george the fourth chapter eighty and note treat of them as identical callings the hawker however is strictly speaking one who sells wares by crying them in the streets of towns while the peddler travels on foot through the country with his wares not publicly proclaiming them but visiting the houses on his way to solicit private custom until the commencement of the present century before the increased facilities for conveyance the peddlers were a numerous body in the country the majority of them were scotchmen and some amassed considerable wealth railways however have now reduced the numbers to insignificance hawkers and peddlers are required to pay four pounds yearly for a license and an additional four pounds for every horse or ass employed in the conveyance of wares the hawking or exposing for sale of fish fruit or victuals does not require a license and further it is lawful for any one being the maker of any home manufacture to expose it for sale in any fair or market without a warrant neither does anything in either of the two acts in question prohibit any tinker cooper glazier plumber harness mender or other person from going about and carrying the materials proper to their business the right of the costermongers then to hawk their wares through the streets is plainly inferred by the above acts that is to say nothing in them extends to prohibit persons going about unlicensed and at their own discretion and selling fish vegetables fruit or provisions generally the law acknowledges none of the street markets these congregations are indeed in antagonism to the municipal laws of london which provide that no market or public place where provisions are sold shall be held within seven miles of the city the law though it permits butchers and other provision-mongers to hire stalls and standings in the flesh and other markets recognized by custom or usage gives no such permission as to street trading the right to sell provisions from stands in the streets of the metropolis it appears is merely permissive the regulation observed is this where the costermongers or other street dealers have been in the habit of standing to sell their goods they are not to be disturbed by the police unless on complaint of an adjacent shopkeeper or other inhabitant if such a person shows that the costermonger whose stand is near his premises is by his improper conduct a nuisance or that by his clamour or any peculiarity in his mode of business he causes a crowd to gather and obstruct the thoroughfare the policeman's duty is to remove him if the complaint from the inhabitants against the street sellers be at all general the policemen of the beat report it to the authorities taking no steps until they receive instructions it is somewhat anomalous however that the law now recognizes inferentially it is true the right of costermongers to carry about their goods for sale formerly the stands were sometimes tolerated but not the itinerancy the enactments of the common council from the time of elizabeth are stringent against itinerant traders of all descriptions but stringent to no purpose of prevention 
In 1607, a common council enactment sets forth that many people of bad and lewd condition daily resort from the most part of this realm to the said city, suburbs, and places adjoining, procuring themselves small habitations, namely one chamber-room for a poor foreigner and his family, in a small cottage with some others as poor as himself, in the city, suburbs, or places adjacent, to the great increase and pesterings of this city with poor people, many of them proving shifters, living by cozenings, stealing, and embezzlings of men's goods, as opportunity may serve them, removing from place to place accordingly, many times running away, forsaking their wives and children, leaving them to the charge of the said city and the hospitals of the same. It was towards this class of men who, by their resort to the capital, recruited the numbers of the street-sellers and public-porters and others that the jealousy of the corporation was directed. The city shopkeepers, three centuries ago, complained vehemently and continuously of the injuries inflicted on their trade by itinerant dealers, complaints which led to bootless enactments. In Elizabeth's reign the Court of Common Council declared that the streets of the city should be used, as in ancient times, for the common highway, and not for the traffic of hucksters, peddlers, and hagglers. But this traffic increased, and in 1632 another enactment was accounted necessary. Oyster-wives, herb-wives, tripe-wives, and all such unruly people were threatened with the full pains and penalties of the outraged law if they persevered in the prosecution of their callings, which are stigmatized as a way whereby to live a more easy life than by labor. In 1694, the street-sellers were menaced with the punishments then deemed suitable for arrant rogues and sturdy beggars, whipping, and that remedy to be applied alike to males and females. The tenor of these vagrant laws not being generally known, I here transcribe them as another proof of the wisdom and mercy of our ancestors in the good old times. In the year 1530, the English Parliament enacted that while the impotent poor should receive licenses from the justices of the peace to beg within certain limits, all men and women, being whole and mighty in body and able to labour, if found vagrant and unable to give an account as to how they obtained their living, should be apprehended by the constables, tied to the tail of a cart naked, and beaten with whips, through the nearest market-town or hamlet, till their bodies be bloody by reason of such whipping. Five years afterwards it was added that if the individual had been once already whipped, he or she should not only be whipped again, but also shall have the upper part of the gristle of his ear clean cut off, so as it may appear for a perpetual token hereafter, that he hath been a contemner of the good order of the commonwealth. And finally, in 1562, it was directed that any beggar, convicted of being a vagabond, should, after being grievously whipped, be burned through the gristle of the right ear with a hot iron of the compass of an inch about, 
unless some person should agree to take him as a servant of course without wages for a year then that if he twice run away from such master he should be adjudged a felon and that if he ran away a third time he should suffer pains of death and loss of land and goods as a felon without benefit of clergy or sanctuary the only acts now in force which regulate the government of the streets so to speak are those best known as michelangelo taylor's act and the two and three victoria best known as the police act of the removals of costermongers from the streets such are the laws concerning street trading let us now see the effect of them within these three months or little more there have been many removals of the costermongers from their customary standings in the streets this as i have stated is never done unless the shopkeepers represent to the police that the costermongers are an injury and a nuisance to them in the prosecution of their respective trades the costermongers for the most part know nothing of the representation of the shopkeepers so that perhaps the first intimation that they must quit comes from the policemen who thus incur the full odium of the measure the majority of the street people esteeming it a mere arbitrary act on the part of the members of the force the first removal recently took place in leather lane hoban between three and four months back it was effected in consequence of representations from the shopkeepers of the neighbourhood but the removal was of a brief continuance leather lane i was told looked like a desert compared to what it was people that had lived there for years hardly knew their own street and those that had complained might twiddle their thumbs in their shops for want of something better to do the reason or one reason why the shopkeeper's trade is coexistent with that of the street sellers was explained to me in this way by a tradesman perfectly familiar with the subject the poorer women the wives of mechanics or small tradesmen who have to prepare dinners for their husbands like as they call it to make one errand do if the wife buys fish or vegetables in the street as is generally done she will at the same time buy her small piece of bacon or cheese at the cheesemongers a small quantity of tea and sugar at the grocer's a firewood at the oilman's or her pound of beef or liver at the butcher's in all the street markets there are plenty of such tradesmen supplying necessaries not vended in the streets and so one errand is sufficient to provide for the wants of the family such customers that is such as have been used to buy in the streets will not be driven to buy at the shops they can't be persuaded that they can buy as cheap at the shops and besides they are apt to think shopkeepers are rich and street sellers poor and that they may as well encourage the poor so if one street market is abolished they'll go to another or buy of the itinerant costermongers and they'll get their bite of groceries and the like at the shops in the neighbourhood of the other street market even if they have a walk for it and thus everybody's injured by removing markets except a few and they are those at the nearest markets that's not disturbed in leather lane the shopkeepers speedily retrieved what many soon came to consider the false step as regards their interests which they had taken and in a fortnight or so they managed by further representations to the police authorities and by agreement with the street sellers that the street market people should return in little more than a fortnight from that time leather lane hoban resumed its wonted busy aspect in lambeth 
the case at present is different the men women and children between two and three months back were all driven by the police from their standings these removals were made i am assured in consequence of representations to the police from the parishioners not of lambeth but of the adjoining parish of christchurch blackfriars road who described the market as an injury and a hindrance to their business the costermongers etc were consequently driven from the spot a highly respectable tradesman in the cut told me that he and all his brother shopkeepers had found their receipts diminished a quarter or an eighth at least by the removal and as in all populous neighbourhoods profits were small this falling off was a very serious matter to them in the cut and its immediate neighbourhood are tradesmen who supply street dealers with the articles they trade in such as cheap stationery laces children's shoes braces and toys they of course have been seriously affected by the removal but the pinch has fallen sorest upon the street sellers themselves these people depend a good deal one upon another as they make mutual purchases now as they have neither stalls nor means such a source of profit is abolished it is hard on such as me said a fruit seller to me to be driven away for nothing that i've done wrong as i knows of and not let me make a living as i've been brought up to i can't get no work at any of the markets i've tried billingsgate and the borough hard but there is as many poor men trying for a crust they're fit to knock a newcomer's head off though if they did it wouldn't be much matter i had nine shillings and sixpence stock money and i sold the apples and a few pears i had for three shillings and ninepence and that thirteen shillings and threepence i've been spinning out since i lost my pitch but it's done now and i haven't had two meals a day for a week and more and them not to call meals only bread and coffee or bread and a drink of beer i tried to get a round of customers but all the rounds was full and i'm a very bad walker and a weak man too my wife's gone to try the country i don't know where she is now i suppose i shall lose my lodging this week and then i must see what the great house will say to me perhaps they'll give me nothing but take me in and that's hard on a man as don't want to be a pauper another man told me that he now paid three shillings a week for privilege to stand with two stalls on a space opposite the entrance into the national baths new cut and that he and his wife who had stood for eleven years in the neighbourhood without a complaint against them could hardly get a crust one man with a fruit stall assured me that nine months ago he would not have taken twenty pounds for his pitch and now he was a regular bankrupt i asked a girl who stood beside the curb with her load in front strapped round her loins whether her tray was heavy to carry after eight hours at it she answered it swaggers me like drink the person whom i was with brought to me two girls who he informed me had been forced to go upon the streets to gain a living their stall on the saturday night used to have four pounds worth of stock but trade had grown so bad since the new police order that after living on their wares they had taken to prostitution for a living rather than go to the house the ground in front of the shops has been bought up by the costermongers at any price many now give the tradesmen six shillings a week for a stand and one man pays as much as eight for the right of pitching in front the applications for parochial relief in consequence of these removals have been fewer than was anticipated 
In Lambeth Parish, however, about thirty families have been relieved, at a cost of fifty pounds. Strange to say, a quarter, or rather more, of the very applicants for relief had been furnished by the parish with money to start the trade, their expulsion from which had driven them to pauperism. It consequently becomes a question for serious consideration whether any particular body of householders should, for their own interest, convenience or pleasure, have it in their power to deprive so many poor people of their only means of livelihood, and so either force the ratepayers to keep them as paupers, or else drive the women who object to the imprisonment of the union to prostitution and the men to theft, especially when the very occupation which they are not allowed to pursue not only does no injury to the neighbourhood, but is, on the contrary, the means of attracting considerable custom to the shops in the locality, and has, moreover, been provided for them by the parish authorities, as a means of enabling them to get a living for themselves. Of the Tricks of Costermongers I shall now treat of the tricks of trade practised by the London costermongers. Of these the costers speak with as little reserve and as little shame as a fine gentleman of his peccadilloes. I've boiled lots of oranges, chuckled one man, and sold them to Irish hawkers as wasn't wide awake for stunning biggins. The boiling swells the oranges, and so makes them look finer ones, but it spoils them for it takes out the juice. People can't find that out, though, until it's too late. I boiled the oranges only a few minutes, and three or four dozen at a time. Oranges thus prepared will not keep, and any unfortunate Irishwoman tricked as were my informant's customers is astonished to find her stock of oranges turn dark-coloured and worthless in forty-eight hours. The fruit is cooked in this way for Saturday night and Sunday sale, times at which the demand is the briskest. Some prick the oranges and express the juice, which they sell to the British winemakers. Apples cannot be dealt with like oranges, but they are mixed. A cheap, red-skinned fruit, known to costers as gorfs, is rubbed hard to look bright and feel soft, and is mixed with apples of a superior description. Gorfs are sweet and sour at once, I was told, and fit for nothing but mixing. Some foreign apples from Holland and Belgium were bought very cheap last March, at no more than sixteen pence a bushel, and on a fine morning as many as fifty boys might be seen rubbing these apples in Hooper Street, Lambeth. "'I've made a crown out of a bushel of them on a fine day,' said one sharp youth. The larger apples are rubbed sometimes with a piece of woollen cloth, or on the coat-skirt, if that appendage form part of the dress of the person applying the friction but most frequently they are rolled in the palms of the hand. The smaller apples are thrown to and fro in a sack, a lad holding each end. "'I wish I knew how the shopkeepers manage their fruit,' said one youth to me. "'I should like to be up to some of their moves. They do manage their things so plummy.' Cherries are capital for mixing, I was assured by practical men. They purchase three sieves of indifferent Dutch and one sieve of good English cherries spread the English fruit over the inferior quality, and sell them as the best. Strawberry pottles are often half cabbage leaves, a few tempting strawberries being displayed on the top of the pottle. Topping up, said a fruit dealer to me, is the principal thing, and we're perfectly justified in it. 
you ask any coster that knows the world and he'll tell you that all the salesmen in the markets tops up it's only making the best of it filberts they bake to make them look brown and ripe prunes they boil to give them a plumper and finer appearance the latter trick however is not unusual in the shops the more honest costermongers will throw away fish when it is unfit for consumption less scrupulous dealers however only throw away what is utterly unsaleable but none of them fling away the dead eels though their prejudice against such dead fish prevents their indulging in eel pies the dead eels are mixed with the living often in the proportion of twenty pounds dead to five pound alive equal quantities of each being accounted very fair dealing and after all said a street fish dealer to me i don't know why dead eels should be objected to the aristocrats don't object to them nearly all fish is dead before it's cooked and why not eels why not eat them when they're sweet if they're ever so dead just as you eat fresh herrings i believe it's only among the poor and among our chaps that there's this prejudice eels die quickly if they're exposed to the sun herrings are made to look fresh and bright by candlelight by the lights being so disposed as to give them i was told a good reflection why i can make them look splendid quite a picture i can do the same with mackerel but not so prime as herrings there are many other tricks of a similar kind detailed in the course of my narrative we should remember however that shopkeepers are not immaculate in this respect end of section 10